Welcome to the Journey Church Podcast. It's our hope that the next few moments lead you closer to Jesus, encourage you to grow, and equip you to exist for those not yet here. If you enjoyed today's message, we'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast so that we can bring you fresh content every week as you continue in your walk with Christ. Uh, if you have never, never been to church before, my name is Steve, and uh, I get to, to preach to you today to share God's Word. Uh, we ended a sermon series last week called, Are You Ready to Die? Uh, next week, we're going to start a new sermon series called, The Blessed Life. How many guys want to have a blessed life? You know, don't... Religious people are like, I don't know if I'm supposed to say that or not. Like, I, I want to live, live in abundance in my life. Anybody else? And so we serve the God of abundance. And so some of you are like, oh, crap, is this going to be a prosperity teaching? Yes. And so uh, we're going we're to teach about God's, God's word uh, when it comes to money and, and stuff and time. And, and I think God wants you to live a blessed life, but he wants you to handle it the right way. Money is the number one competitor for your heart. And so uh, we're going to have a good time over the next few weeks. Uh, I wanted to take a moment as we start this year. And so how many of you every year you'll say, oh, that year went fast? Anybody say that? Okay, so we're already done January, uh, and we're into February. February has Valentine's Day, then Easter is coming, uh, and then summer comes, then Christmas some, and then we're going to be back here again. And that's kind of how the year works. And so I wanted to take a break. Um, I called this Sunday Vision Sunday. If this is your church, um, this, this Sunday uh, is specifically a message that is for our church. Like, I want you to hear this. And if this is not your church, this is your very first time here today, um, everything I'm going to say today is actually for you. And so uh, we are a church that exists for those not yet here. And we've been saying that since 2008. That means um, since we started this thing, we wanted to be more um, concerned and obsessed with the people who weren't yet here than we were with the people that are here. And so we are a church that's trying to reach people that don't yet know Christ. And so, and we are a church for anyone, but we're just not for everyone. That's just, some people are going to walk in and say, I hate you, and that's okay. Uh, we know who we are, and we know what God has called us to do. And so today is what I would call a vision Sunday. And so how many, how many of you lead something? You lead an organization, you lead something. Put your hand up. Put lead something. Okay. So first service, they didn't, they didn't even, they didn't raise their hand at all. And so, and I was like, you got to, you got to develop. Like, so if you're a leader, you should be listening to leadership stuff. Like you should be developing yourself. And here's the thing about it. How many of you have kids? You're a leader, right? How many of you are single right now? Right? So can put your hand really high. Let's just figure this out. Everybody look around right there. There you go. You want to stand up? Okay. All right. And so if you're single, Right now you lead yourself. You're getting yourself to the spot where one day you can, maybe if you're, a, especially if you're a guy, where you can be trusted to, to lead a family. And so everybody is a leader. And so uh, vision is about leadership. The Bible says without vision, people perish. If you don't know where you're going, you'll, you'll, end, up, you'll end up nowhere. And so, uh, but the thing about vision is vision is something you can't teach. It's something you got to catch. You can't, you're not taught vision. I'm not going to try to teach you vision I want you to catch it. And so, how many of you, how many of you Super Bowls tonight, excited about Super Bowl? Okay. How many of you real Eagles fans and you didn't say a word right there? You saw Jason Kelsey at the Adele concert and she said, who are you rooting for? He said, Eagles. And she said, it sounds like a drunk fan out there, which is, he, she was probably right. And so, um, and so, I don't really care about the Super Bowl tonight. The Eagles aren't playing. And so, I'm on the baseball. Anybody else on the baseball? And so, baseball's coming. 
And so I got, this is my original baseball glove. I bought this in 2000, or 2000. I got this when I was 13 years old, so it was 1993. I saved up my own money. I bought this at Schuylkill Valley Sporting Goods. If you're from Boyertown and Pottstown, Schuylkill Valley is Schuylkill Valley. Right, I must remember that. And so I went to the Coventry Mall. Remember the Coventry Mall? Okay, this was a $130 glove. And so um, it was an expensive, expensive buy for me, but it's lasted for 30 years. And so um, it's my glove. And... Uh, I, I like baseball. Anybody else like baseball? And so baseball is important. Anybody, any ba- baseball players here? Baseball players? Baseball players. Okay, can I throw this ball to you? I don't, I don't know if I can. I might hit somebody. The question is, can I throw it? You ready? I don't, I, can you hand this to him? I just don't trust myself. Can you just, can you just, can you, th- I don't want to hit somebody. And so, okay. So he has a baseball. In, in Montgomeryville, he caught it. I gave it to Keisha. She caught it, Right? Right? And then she threw it over to Alex. He caught it. Okay, so I got a baseball glove right here, right? If Alex throws me the ball, what is the number one most important thing I need to do to catch it? What is it? Keep my eye on the ball. I can have a glove on my hand, right? If I try to catch it and I can't see it, I won't catch it. Vision has to be caught, not taught. But if you don't see it, you won't catch it. That's the whole point. I want you to, I want to spend a Sunday so you can see what God is doing, and you can see where God is taking us, right? If I take my eye off the ball, something bad is going to happen. Go ahead, throw me the ball, Alex. If I keep my eye on the ball, what happens? Two hands, Boyertown style, two hands. <laughs> I love Phoenixville, but I learned how to play baseball in Boyertown. It's two hands. It's two hands. The only thing good about Boyertown, by the way, is baseball. That is it, right? And Freycons, if you've been there. And so if I throw the ball, Somebody said throw it to Kyle in the very back, but I don't trust myself. And so if, you, if I throw the ball, what do you got to do? You got to keep your eye. Here, here, catch it. Look at that throw. Now, listen, 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 listen. Do not throw it at me hard. This is expensive behind me. But if he throws me the ball back, right, what I got to do? Keep my eye on the what? All right. You guys impressed? Okay, nobody is. If you don't see it, you won't what? You won't catch it. Vision has to be caught, not taught. And so I, wanna, I want you to see what God has done. And I called this message, he has done it. This is important. This isn't we have done this. This isn't um, the preacher has done this or the worship ministry has done this or the kids ministry has done this or the parking lot people have done this or there's been this strategy in our church where we've done this, we figured out, you know, the, the golden ticket to grow in a church. I want, I want to remind you, this is Jesus' church and he promised to build his church and the gates of hell will not prevail, prevail against it, but he has done it. And so when we brag, you're going to be like, are you bragging right now? Absolutely. I'm absolutely, I want to celebrate what God is doing in, in this place because it's not because of us. You ever, you ever put headphones in, you can't sing at all, but you start singing with somebody who can sing and you sound better? <laughs> Maybe you're on your mower, you're driving around, your neighbor walks out, he thinks a cat is dying in his backyard, but you're just singing because to you, you sound better. It's making you sound better than you really are. Listen, God is doing stuff in our church and it's not us. I remind our staff every week, this is, not, this is not us at all. This is God. God has done it. It comes right out of Scripture. And so I'm reading through Psalms 22. I'm trying to get more emotional this year and more, more you know, connected to my emotions. And so Psalms is written, uh, it's, a, it's, it's 
a lot of the Psalms written by David, he's pretty manly, but he's also really sensitive. Any single people looking for a guy like that? And so he's extreme, he, he can kill, right? He killed, he killed a lion, he killed a tiger, he killed a bear with a, with a slingshot, he killed a giant with a slingshot. He also plays the harp. <laughs> like he's a perfect guy, right? Like he, he, he'll, 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 sing, he'll you know, sing to you. He's very much in touch with his, his, his emotions, and he writes these psalms. And the reason I'm reading them is they're in all different situations. He writes them from the highest highs, the lowest lows. He writes them from the caves when he's hiding. He writes them from the, the, the palace where he's ruling. He writes them in the field when he's a shepherd. He writes them through difficult moments, through successes, through, through failures. He, he, he writes them. And so they, they, it's almost like every day you're, you're getting an inside look at a different emotion. And so I, I was on Psalms 22, and this is actually exactly where this, this, this phrase comes from. Psalms 22, he, uh, he's in a really bad spot, and he shares like this. It's despair. But then he reminds himself at the end of who God is. It's like he needed to talk to himself. You ever been there? And remind himself, and here's how it ended, and this is where this, this, this statement comes from. In Psalms 22, verse number 29, it says, All the rich of the earth will feast and worship. All who go down to the dust will kneel before him. Those who cannot keep themselves alive, posterity will serve him. Future generations will be told about the Lord. They will proclaim his righteousness, declaring to a people yet unborn, he has done it. He has done it. Look at your neighbor and say, he has done it. I need you to preach with me today. Can you do that? He's done it. What has he done? Well, some of you have been here for a few years. How many have been here over a decade? Over a decade. It probably shows. And so um, we're all getting old together. And so some of you have been here for a few years at least. So you remember back in 2021, we were coming out of COVID and uh, we were making some changes in our church, and I said, hey, we're going to do this campaign called Built for This. It's going to be a $2 million campaign. We're going to renovate Phoenixville. Uh, we're going to put in stadium seating. We're going to add a kid's wing. Um, it, this is what we're going to do, and this is going to be um, good for us for the next, I, I thought, five to ten years. Like, we would be in this space. God was going to do incredible things. You know, we would, we would maybe, maybe I would be, bring me to the end of my time being here, pass it off to somebody. I didn't know how it was going to look. Uh, but we had this, this plan you guys gave. We built this, added the auditorium. The end of 2023, or the beginning of 2023, we opened up the kids, kids wing. You guys remember that? And uh, God was doing incredible things. Now, I need you to understand, we have, there's another thing in leadership stuff called BHAG. You know what BHAG is? It's called Big, Hairy, Audacious Goals. Big, Hairy, Audacious Goals. If, you're, oh, if you lead an organization, you should have, have a BHAG, right? Like you should have a big, hairy, audacious goal for your family. Here's stuff we want to accomplish as a family. And so for us, one of those things for, for many years has been we want to have a kids ministry that is literally changing lives. We, 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 at some point, we would just say this number. We want to see 500 kids walk through the doors of Journey Church. We want to teach them about Jesus. We want them to know it's not babysitting, it's Okay, so that was the goal. We opened up this wing. When we started Journey Church, uh, or we started the Journey, the Journey Kids Wing this time last year, on a typical Sunday, we were averaging about 374 people. Can you bring that slide up for me? Kevin, do you have that slide? So 374, and, and, and give or take. So this was our average, average of 2023. That's a lot of kids. Would you agree? Okay, so we were, we were excited. We had this wing. Kids ministry in Montgomeryville has 60, 50, 60 kids a week. We're like, okay, this will be good. We have some time. We'll get to, you know, to get to 500 kids, and then we'll figure it out. If you're here, you know, we're adding the 5,000 square more feet uh, for, the, uh, for, the, for the nursery. It's going to be open in just a few weeks, and so we're going to make some more room. But let me just show you what God has done over the first, the first month of 2024. Look how many kids are coming here. I and let me, let me just explain to you something about kids' ministry. Kids are not the easiest thing in the world to watch for free now. 
Pa- parents, let's just be honest. Can I just be honest with you? We're not that good anymore. Like we, we have very low expectations for our kids, and so they bite, they kick, they scream, they throw balls. They tell me you're not my parent. The kids workers say, thank God. <laughs> How much time I got in this classroom, right? And they, they I'm telling you, it's a, it's a, they work together. It's incredible what God is doing. I'm playing about your kids being bad, kind of, right? And so I have kids. I know how it goes. But the amount of kids coming to, to our church now is, is actually, un, like, it's unbelievable. And, th- and then just to go, because this, this drives our attendance, just to see our attendance. And so uh, in 2023, some of you got this, we, we averaged 1,267 people, our two campuses, 1,267 people, which that, that took us past where we, were, where we were pre-COVID, which is very rare for a church. Like every pastor I meet, they say, hey, where are you at? Are you about 60% of your attendance? And I'm like, no, we're, we're back. Like we, 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 we were back. Like God is doing incredible things in our church. And so then you can see uh, we had 1194 in January. Then we opened up the kids wing. It went up to 1356. Then by November, it went to 1500. And God is growing our church by almost 25%. And watch this. So this is cool. Last, last year, these are the numbers. So, so this, this is fine. Attendance is fine. This stuff is what's important. In our church last year, 635 people responded to the gospel. That's, I, I like this one. I like this one because you can say a prayer, but to get in a tank in front of a bunch of strangers and say I'm going to follow Christ for the rest of my life, that takes guts. 221 people did that. Snot coming out of their mouth. 645 people attended Welcome to, Welcome to Church. That was incredible. And 325 people. That's how many people it takes to serve every Sunday to do what Journey Church does. And here, here let, me, let, me, let me give you something next, next level. So, here, so then we started 2024. We're like, oh, God's doing great things. And in 2024, um, you can see 1,500. We're averaging almost 150 people more this year than we were in November. And so everything is, is, is packed. Like, you know, parking's packed. Did you guys realize that? Some of you, literally, I'm, I'm going to have to send Laurel out with a portable piano, and she's going to play an altar call so you can get re-saved because of your bad attitude when you're leaving this place. She's going to play it. We'll take a little offering and everything for you, right? Bathrooms are, 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 are overflow, right? Kids' rooms are overflow. Like, when we built the kids' room, I'm like, oh, we could probably handle about 150 kids per service in Phoenixville, and it'll be good. It'll give us room to grow. Last week in this service, we had 200 kids here in one service. Everything is, is feeling the, the weight of it. And so you're like, what are, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? Well, let me just give you kind of short term and then long term. Short term, uh, we're going to add a fourth service. We're going to go at 1230. Some of you like to sleep in. You're going to get to sleep in. Some of you are like, what about the Eagles games? We'll put it on the big screen, right? We'll put it on the big screen. <laughs> preach behind it, right? Like, we, we're going to keep making, make, make, making room. Uh, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna revamp or we're going to expand a couple areas of ministry. One of the areas of ministry that we're going to expand is our small groups. Uh, they're going to become an integral part. You're going to see, we're rarely excited about this, an integral part of our church. Groups are going to continue uh, forever. You don't have to stay in a group forever. It's not like the Hotel California, but like you, you can get into a group, and if you like the group, you can just keep having groups. Our groups aren't just going to be Bible studies in people's houses because some of you are never going to do that. We can have running groups. We can have basketball groups. I can teach you how to catch. We can have a baseball group. We, we can, we can, we can, we, I, I want to have a healthy a healthy church with, with community that the world looks at and says, I want to be part of that. And let, let's just be honest. Let's just be honest. Most of the time, most of the time, I'm gonna be, can I be honest with you? I'm a pastor, so I can, 
Like most of the time, from the outside, me specifically even, I'm like, I don't want to hang out with them. I don't want to pray in a circle with you. It's weird. I don't want to touch your hand. I don't, you know, like I, I don't want to do all that with you. But if you like, do something normal, we'll go get breakfast, talk about, talk about the Lord, talk about the eagles, encourage one another, give each other pointers on raising kids. Like, I can do that. Like we're, we're gonna have, it's going to be a very organic part of our church. We're going to stop saying start, stop, start, stop, start, stop. We're just going to say get in group because you can't do life alone can't do life alone. The other thing we're going to do is uh, our kids' ministry is popping. You just saw that. Uh, 13 to 18, that's where, that's where we're lacking. And so uh, we're going to begin to, to do a full, for, full force effort on building a, 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 a ministry for students that impacts coaches, raises up, equips uh, kids that go into their school and have enough confidence to make a difference. And so very, very quickly, as soon as we get done this wing, we, we have the, the, right here in Phoenixville, we have a, uh, the dance lady's moving out. She's got her own space. And so we have 4,000 more, uh, more feet opening up. Very quickly, you're going to see us convert. Uh, the other part that was supposed to be our lobby, it's 2,000 square feet. We're going to turn it into a middle school room where middle school kids are going to go have their own lesson, their own sermon, their own time. And then we're going to start home groups for teenagers. And some of you have already talked to me about it, but we are going to invest. We're going to start it from the ground, but we're going to build like we built the kids' ministry until we have a world class team ministry and I want to I want to remind you I want to remind you God's doing this we're not doing anything different we're just showing up doing what God has called us to do and God is faithful to do it what are the long-term goals we don't we don't know we thought we would be here forever but maybe we start looking at land maybe we build a big old statement in the middle of this area where people know God is still on the move I'm not sure, but I told you in 2021, I said, I just want to be a landmark church. I want to be the place where people go. When your marriage is falling apart, you know you can go to Journey. When you're addicted to drugs, you know you can go to Journey. When you've had an awful weekend and you don't know where else to turn, you can go to Journey. When you can't stop cutting yourself, you can go to Journey. When you're depressed, you go to Journey. When you don't have joy, you go to Journey. When you have anxiety, you, you, go, you go to Journey. Those people are just like you. It's just one beggar telling another beggar where to get some food. So, so here's the question then. Here's the question. I was like, okay, how do you, how do you make this a, ser a sermon? And so, uh, so when God starts moving like he's moving, first thing I think to myself, just get out of the way. But the other thing I think to myself is uh, God, continue to, whatever, whatever's happening in our church, con continue to do it. And then I ask myself, okay, God, what, what are we doing that has caused this to be a conducive environment? Because we, we would call this, when this starts happening, I, I would call this the power or the fire of God in our church. The, the power of God is, is in our church. When you sit, I, I sat, I was, a, I was a watcher last week in church. I was an observer. And when you sit and you can hear people in the middle of worship in tears during singing or during preaching, you hear people or during the altar call, you hear people in tears. Like you can see God's moving in their life or you see people begin to start taking steps uh, 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 towards God. That can only be explained as the power and the presence or the fire of God. And anytime the fire of God shows up, he makes you better than you could ever be. 
In fact, you see it in Acts 2. They've got this group of people. They're, they're, they're nobodies. They're, they're screw-ups. They, they've all run from, from Jesus when he was going to get uh, crucified, and now they're back, and they're in an upper room, and they're afraid, and they don't know what to do. And Jesus said, wait there, and he's gone back to heaven. And so they're just waiting around. They don't know what's going to happen. And God's power manifests or comes down in that place. The Bible says that it looks like there's fire that's dividing over their, their head. It's the Holy Spirit. It's what we would call the it factor. And the Holy Spirit comes down on that that group of people, and they go on to change the world, but it's the fire or the power of God that changes that group of people. So I just want more. I want to be in an environment where you're conducive. In fact, years ago, I I, I talked to our church in a different time. We were like, it felt like we were losing it. Like it was fading away, and I was like, I can't. I don't want to be part of this, God. What do we got to do? So I don't feel like we're losing it. I feel like we're just getting started. It's like a sports car. It's like, oh, you're like, just drop it, right? Drop it and just and going. And so I feel like we're just get, getting started, that fire that's burning up in this place. But it's the same question. How do, you, how do you keep that fire? Because fire represents Jesus. And so I preached to our church out of the book of Leviticus. Let me, let me ask you a question. How many of you started reading the Bible, got to Leviticus, and you quit? I never preach out of Leviticus. Like, I don't even understand Leviticus most of the time. I'm like, half of my church has tattoos. If, if, it's, if we're reading this, and you're going to hell, right? Like, it's, it's bad. we got to figure this out, right? And I look at my shirt, and I'm like, my shirt is cotton and polyester, and so I'm not supposed to be wearing this, God. And like, all these, but I can't afford 100% cotton. And so, God, what do I do with this? And so here's what you need to understand about Leviticus. If you've ever read Leviticus, Leviticus is simply God. I'm leading his people to the promised land. And as he's leading his people to the promised land, he's bringing them out of slavery after 400 years. And as you can imagine, if you've been somewhere for 400 years, you probably picked up bad habits. And so he's saying, before I get you to Israel, I got to make sure I get Egypt out of you. So here's the stuff I want you to do. Like, I don't want you to cut your body up anymore, mark your body to worship me. You don't need to do that. In Egypt, you have to do that to get God's attention. But my attention is already on you. Obviously, I just led you through the Red Sea. So he gives them all these thoughts and all these things, and his promises, I just want to be with you. I want to take you to the promise, and I want to create a new kingdom, a different type of people. And in this one part I landed on, it's all about fire. It's all about being conducive. And here's what he says in Leviticus 6. He says, the Lord said to Moses, give Aaron, who was the priest, and his sons this command. Here's the regulations for the burnt offering. So he gives them all these, 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 these rules. Here's the sacrifices I want you to do. One of them was the burnt offering. This was to make atonement for your, for your sins, repentance. We don't have to do this anymore because Jesus was the perfect lamb. And he says, here's what I want you to do, right? You ever been around people that are like, God don't care, what's the big deal? Then you read the Bible and you're like, God told him to build the temple like this and Noah, he wanted him to build the ark like this. He, he very much cares. The Bible says, the burnt offering is to remain on the altar hearth throughout the night till morning and the fire must be kept burning on the altar. That's so important. The fire must be kept burning on the altar. The priest shall then put on his linen cloth and with linen undergarments next to his body shall remove the ashes of the burnt offering that the fire has consumed on the altar and place it beside the altar. Why does he got to do that? Hey, Hey, Boy Scouts, why does he take the ashes off and move them to the side? Because the fire has to be what? Has to keep burning. But if you have too much ash on, on the fire, what happens to the fire? I don't know. I Googled this, right? And so I'm not a Boy Scout. I got a gas fireplace, just, right? But it makes sense, right? He says, remove the ashes. Then he is to take these, uh, off these clothes and put them on the others and carry the ashes outside the camp to a place that is ceremonial clean. The fire on the altar must be kept. What does it say? Is it with me? Be kept what? 
All right, we're good. I want, you to, I want you to stay away. It must be kept burning. It must not go out. Every morning the priest is to add firewood and arrange the burnt offering on the fire and burn the fat of the fellowship offerings on it. The fire must be kept. What does it say? Burning, burning on the altar continuously. It must not go out. Fire represents God's presence, his power. They're traveling. They're on their way to the promised land. Everywhere you go, make sure the fire is kept burning. But here... The fire only burns in a conducive environment. The fire, is, it, only, it's only, it only stays where it's stoked. You, you, know, you tracking with me? The fire only stays where it's stoked. There's, there's certain elements you have to have um, to keep the fire of God moving in your church. Which I, that is the only reason anything good has happened here. It's not processes. It's not preaching. It's not worship or praise. It's not parking. Those things are all good. It's, it's not design work. It's, not, it's certainly not Costco coffee. Let's be honest. It's not the crafts you give your kids. It's, it's not any ministry that we're going to start. Right? None of that stuff is, is, is why the church is, is what's happening. It's happening. It's the fire or the presence of God. That's why the Bible tells us back in the New Testament to, in, in 2 Timothy 1, for this reason, I remind you, fan into flame the gift of God. The fire stays where it's stoked. Fan into flame. Create a conducive environment where the fire of God can continue to burn. Because when the fire of God shows up, people's lives are changed. Freedom is found. Marriages are healed. Right? Kids, they find a calling, right? Some of you are like, what is my kid going to do when they, get, when they get older? You don't need to worry about that. You need to get them into the presence of God because he formed them before the foundations of the world and he already has a perfect plan for them. It's the fire of God. How do you fan into flame as a church? Let me just give you three thoughts. These are really important to our church. Number one is this, is uh, you never let success get to your head. You never let success... Get to your head. Let me, let, me, let, me, let me tell you something. This is just a little inside. I've never watched somebody walk away from the Lord in failure. Ever. What happens when you're going through failure? What well, the Bible tells us in James 1, they say it's, uh, it's good to go through difficulty. It, it, it's good for us to go through trials. In fact, James says, consider it pure joy. When's the last time you've done that? Oh, this is great. My car, both of them are in the shop right now at the same time. This is great. I hit a pothole on Friday night and I got a flat tire. Great. Everything is great, but the Bible says consider it pure joy. My brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds because you know the testing of your faith produces perseverance. So many times in my life what I've witnessed is, is success. People get to it. Oh, God's doing stuff in my life. It's a natural result of beginning to follow God. You begin to find success. Your marriage begins to get healed. You begin to get the blessings of God. And all of a sudden, success gets to your head. And I've seen so many people get to what they thought was the top of the mountain only to fall back down. And i got to tell you, here, here's number one. Some of you, life's starting to go good. You remember how bad it was when, when you didn't know the Lord? You're like, it was bad. And you came to church, and the Lord started putting you back together, and he's giving you ideas you didn't have and wisdom you couldn't make and opportunities you couldn't open. And all of a sudden, life is starting to go good and stuff's starting to happen in, in, in your life. And all of a sudden, it's so easy to let yourself get lazy, let yourself drift, let yourself be distracted. One of the worst things uh, for us is success because nothing ruins success like what? Success. 
So here, 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 here's the first thing we got to do. We look around. Everybody look around. Everybody take a look around. Look around. Look at the people beside you. Look, look at all that God's doing. All, all the miracles sitting around here, all the good things God's doing, all, all, all the opportunities, the facilities he's given us, all that stuff. Now let's just, let's just not touch it. Let's not attach our, our name to it. Let's, let's attach God's name to it. You ever notice in Scripture, if you do read the Bible, um, in the Bible, the people of the Old Testament are going to the promised land. They had this stupid cycle. And the cycle was life would suck. They would cry out to God. He would answer because he's a good God. Life would get better, and then they would forget God. You ever been there? Life would suck. I need you, God. God answers because he's faithful. Thank God he's more faithful than us. Life will get better. They would win wars they shouldn't have won. They would get land they shouldn't have had. They would have blessings they never earned. And then all of a sudden when they got all that, they would forget about God. And then they would be like, what happened? And he would send a prophet. And what, what would the prophet say? You idiots. How many more times are we going to do this? Like this is huge. Why, why every time does it go good? Do you walk away from God and when it's bad, you lean into the goodness of God? And so here's the thing. If you want the presence of God to continue to reside in your life, in your family, in your home, in your church, never allow success to get to your head. Here's the problem. Success oftentimes breeds comfort, right? Let me ask you a question. I asked the first service. They lied about this. How many married people in this place? Put your hand up if you're married. You're not going to lie about that. Okay, man, a lot of married people, a lot of married. We already did a single people, right? You already honed in. And so, married people. Now, don't answer this question, right? Don't answer this question. But I want you to think about this. How many married people in this room, currently, you're married, you're comfortable, you're in worse shape than when you got married? Don't answer it. What happened? You're getting married, you're like, I got to be in front of everybody, right? I got to fit in this suit. I got to look good naked, right? I got to like, am I right preaching right? Am I right or wrong? First service is like, he said naked, right? <laughs> I, I'll promise you third service, they're going to be, Lord will be up here playing with me. Eh, he said naked, ah. <laughs> Right? So you got, you, you, you got to look naked in pictures of all that stuff, and then you, you get married, you're like, that's as good as it's ever going to get, Leah, Sorry. Go to Kohl's, get bigger pants, right? And so, <laughs> why? Because what happens is when, when, like, in my, when people, when their marriages fall apart and they get remarried, they, when they fall apart and they're single again, what do they do when they're single again? They get in shape again because they're on the market. Instead, why don't we just put as much effort, just, can I do a little marriage, a little Valentine? Why don't you just put the effort you would put in when, if you were single to your, to your marriage and you would probably have the marriage you want to have? And so, like, Success breeds comfort. Here's what happens oftentimes in church. It breeds comfort, and then it begins to attract consumers because that's what comfort is for, for people. They want, consumers want comfort. So if we're not careful, what happens is, okay, journey gets some momentum, ministry's good, stuff's going on. There was a time we had nothing. Nothing. Like we would sell people on a vision. There was nothing there, right? This is what it's going to look like. And now that vision is a reality, and if we're not careful, we don't stay away from success and go, this isn't really what success is. There's, there's more to it, right? Then what we're going to do is we're going to attract consumers. And he, here's how you know you have consumers. When you have more people coming to your church that don't do anything, that do do something, you have a church of consumers. And I don't know if you know about what, what consumers do. Another word for consumers is, is parasitical. And a parasite eventually eats on a... On a on the thing that it's on, and it destroys it. And so I, I want to encourage you, stay away from success. Success breeds comfort. It, it attracts consumers. And, and often, 
It just distracts and takes people away. So the first thing we're going to do is uh, we're going to keep our hands off of success. It's, it's, not, it's not us. We're going to tell ourselves that all the time. I tell my staff every Sunday or, or Monday, I say, hey, this is not us. This, there's nothing we're doing. This, this, is, this is only God. He has done. Come on, you got to preach to me. He's done what? He's done it. All right, let me give you two more. Lord, you come, you come play me out. And so number two, number two, we're going to keep our souls right. We're going to keep our souls right. You ever read the verse in Scripture where it says, what good is it to gain the whole world and let you lose your soul? Yeah, yeah, that's a good one. Because it's just easy in America. You just start gaining stuff. I got all this stuff. Okay. Well, what good is it to gain the whole world yet lose your soul? So I'll ask myself the same question. So 2008, we started, we had nothing. We, we've gained so much in our church. God has done so many incredible things. He's moved so much. Okay. We've gained all this. What good is it to gain all this yet lose the soul of our church? So some of you are like, what's the soul? Well, Jesus said um, to seek and save the lost. That's, 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 the, that's the gospel. If you're a Christian and you go to church, seek and save the lost. So if you want to have an acronym for soul, I, I love acronyms. I'm a pastor. It would be seeking out unsaved loved ones. That's, that's who we are. We're a church on mission to seek out people that don't yet know about the goodness and the grace and the mercy and the forgiveness and the redemption and the hope and the ability to change lives of Jesus Christ. So I'm like, where does that come from? If you ever want to understand the heart for God, of God for lost people, read Luke chapter 15. It is such a great picture of God's heart for people that don't yet know him. It tells the story of the prodigal son. It's a beautiful, like if I had one sermon to preach, and they said you can only preach one sermon the rest of your life, prodigal son, every week. Then he tells the story of a lost coin. Then he ends with the story of uh, the lost sheep. This is where Journey Church's mission comes from. He said, uh, there's a good shepherd. He has 100 sheep, 100. At the end of the night, he counts. There's 99 there. They're all safe. There's one missing. The Bible says the good shepherd leaves the 99 and goes after the one. And it's so relevant because when you have nobody at your church, it's like, of course you're going to go after the one. You got no one here. But when you see all that God's done, 1,648 people. A few weeks ago at baptism, we had over 1,900 people here. And you see all that God is doing, all the ways God is moving. And you think to yourself, man, this is pretty impressive. This is pretty awesome. This is pretty cool. But you got to remind yourself of the soul. What's the soul? We exist for those not yet here. So what a great Sunday. But let's not talk about how great Sunday was. On Monday, let's get on our hands and knees and let's beg God for one more. Just one more opportunity. Just one more Sunday. Just one more chance to tell somebody about Jesus. We exist for those not yet here. That's the soul of journey. And the last one, we'll, we'll end with this one. You want the fire to keep coming in your church. You got to continue to have a culture that produces sacrifice. I just had this thought, and this is where I'm going to end. So uh, he said to them in that thing, he says, hey, remove the ashes. Why? Why? Because the ashes represent somebody else's sacrifice. And I want you to, some of you to lean into this place because some of you have been coming to church for years. And uh, this is just what you do. This is what you do. You come to church. And I, I get it because you live in a culture that that's like, so if, you, if, you're, if you're the Eagles organization, what do you want to produce? Anybody know? They want to they produce Super Bowls, right? But, it, but for us, they want to make us what? Fans. 
You're not going down to a try. You're not Mark Wahlberg. You're not walking onto the field and trying out for the Eagles, right? Like you, that you're, their job, if they're doing their job, is to build a winning team and produce fans that spend money so they can pay players, right? Fans. Okay, if Target, let's say Target, they have a board meeting. What is the goal of Target as an organization with you? Do you know what it is? Addicts. They want to make addicts. And so, right? They want to make shoppers. They don't want to make lookers. They don't want you walking around going, oh, that's beautiful. Does Amazon have this? They want you walk in. That's why they put that, 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 little, that little thing in the front with the $5 section. It, you're, it's like a muscle. You're, you're, it's like a muscle. You start working and it just keeps going, right? And so and all of a sudden you spend 50, 75, 100 bucks, right? And so pre-COVID it was 50. After COVID it's $100. You spend that Target if you go there. Why? Because it's Target and that's what they do. And so, and so Target wants to make shoppers. Okay, restaurants, restaurants. My favorite restaurant in Phoenixville, we can have an argument later, Sedona. I didn't, I didn't need all that, right? I have the business owner for somebody else, but I like Sedona, right? And so Sedona, okay. So when you, when you go to Sedona, what do they want to produce? They want you to sit there and get water? I'm just going to have water. I'm fasting. What do they want you to do? I want you to be a carnivore. I want you to eat. I want you to get, pay. Like they want you to, to eat food. Okay, so as a church, what is the goal of, of bringing people into a church? Anybody know? What's the goal? Disciple. I love that. A disciple is somebody who watches what Jesus did, learns what Jesus did, and then they do what Jesus did. Okay, what is the number one thing Jesus did on this earth? His number one accomplishment. He sacrificed his life. He, he laid down his life. That is what this whole thing is about. This thing is built on sacrifice, which why it's so important. You ever go to Valley Forge? And not just go there to walk and not just go there to, have you ever been to the little, little shack behind the, the, the church and get a hot dog there? It's awesome. And so, and so it, you ever just go there and read and be like, dude, this was, this was serious sacrifice. Like I know I live in my cushy little American life, but like back then there was this atmosphere of sacrifice in these guys laid down their life. Okay, so it's sacrifice, right? Sacrifice is the most important element of a church that creates a conducive environment for the fire of God to keep going. And some of you are sitting in the ashes of somebody else's sacrifice. It's just like you've been here for years. You just, you just, you just, this is where you come, but you've never taken steps to become a disciple. So for us to take that next step, for us to start services, right, and, 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 and go to 1230. What, what, some of you, I'm going to say, hey, you're going to have to go to a different service. <gasps> some of you might have to go to the 8 o'clock. <gasps> you know what's so stupid about that? I, my kids play sports, and when they start a tournament or they have a game and you have to be there at 730 in the morning, there's not a peep from a parent. And you ask people to come to church at 8 o'clock in the morning. They're like, 8 o'clock in the morning? Right? Some of you, it might be later. You might say, hey, I don't want to get up early. I'm going to come at the 1230 service. Which, by the way, same thing. If you got a 1230 game, nobody whines about it. They're not like, oh, that's in the middle of my son's nap time and that's lunch time. They're like, we'll, we'll figure it out because we got to be at the game because it's important. You always make time for what's important. So I might ask you over the next few months, hey, some of you are like, is he asking us to do something? Yes. Because the Bible calls you to sacrifice. It doesn't call you to be a fan or a follower or a sitter or an attender for the love of God. 
God has called you to be the church. You're the hope of the world. It's time to move. Some of you, it's time to get up. Some of you, like, oh, I don't, I don't know about that. There was a time. Some of you sitting in the ashes of sacrifice. You drop your kids off at Disney World right now. Ten years ago, there was a generation of Journey Church people that we asked them to drop their kids off at Club 212. <laughs> Can you imagine? Hey, we're walking to first-time guests, and hey, where are we going? It feels like an alleyway. Yeah, we're going up to the kids' area. Step over that drunk guy. Watch out for that piss, right? Come around the corner. Here's your kids' room. This is the stage. This is the bar right now. Don't look at any of the posters. I mean, could you imagine some of you be like, you want us to do that? My kids are 17 feet away from me right now, and I have anxiety, right? And there was a time they were a block away from the parents. There was a time we asked people in our church, in the Colonial Theater, hey, um, we're going to move into Phoenixville at the Franklin Commons. We're going to have our own spot. We need $100,000. And there was a time people opened up their 401ks, their retirement, sold stocks, did whatever they got to do, sold kidneys. I promise you, did everything that we have to do, and in a day we, wrote, we, we raised $100,000. And we're, we're here because of moments like that. And so we're, where we're going, it's going to take moments like that again. And the thing is, if we're sacrificial, if we keep the main thing the main thing, if we don't let success get to our heads, we don't touch this. We let God do what he wants to do. I can promise you our best days are ahead of us. In fact, I had first service do this. I want you to, if you're, if you're here, this is your church. Even if this isn't, you can do this. I want you to take, pretend like you have a seatbelt. Just take, take your seatbelt right here. Come on, just get your seat. Come on, play with me. Let's, let's do this real fast. Pick your seatbelt up. Come on. Entertain me. Do something. Don't be like, you got your seatbelt? I can see you. It's, it's just, so like, can he see us? Yes, I can see you. All Montgomeryville, get your seatbelt in, in, your, in your car. You should have your seatbelt. And if you're watching right now, um, online, just like this. And I just want you to go like this. Ready? Just, just do it. Just go. Come on, some of you put your coffee down. You're like, I got my coffee. It's, it's not your security blanket. Put it down. And so, and just take it and just go click. Okay, do it again. Just say click. And he, here's why. Because, okay, some of you are like, you want to do sports car. Click, right? And so, okay. What God wants to do is going to be crazy. And I, I just felt like I needed to tell you guys, you got you to buckle up. Buckle up. Some of you are going to be asked to do things you've never done before. I, I'm telling you right now. If all you do is come to church, this will never make a difference in your life. I sat in church last week. I went to Montgomeryville, and then I left Montgomeryville, and I, I was like, I'm going to go visit another local church, and I sat in another church, and I walked in. I sat down. I was one of you. Nobody knew who I was. I sat. I sang three songs. I got up. I walked out. I got in my car, and I went to Mission Barbecue. And I was like, is that all that this is? No serving, no sacrifice, no getting up early, no staying late, no, there's got to be more than that. I can promise you, click in, do what God is calling you to do, sacrifice, main thing the main thing. Don't let success get to your head. God's going to do incredible things, not only in this church, but with your life. Your, your best days are yet to come, amen? Would you stand to your feet, and would you bow your heads, and would you close your eyes? And as, as uh, we settle into this moment, just for a few moments, just for a few moments, what I always want to do as I close this service out is um, I need you to understand the goal of our church is to introduce people to a God that loves them. That's it. It's, it's been the goal since 2008. We want to introduce people to a God that loves them. We want the power and the presence of God to move mightily in our services. 
We want people who feel like their life is over, who have made so many mistakes, who have done so much damage to meet the God of restoration, to meet the God of redemption, to meet the God who heals, to meet the God who makes whole. That's always our goal. So as we opened up the word of God, the Bible says that that he comes into this place. That as we lift up his name, the Bible says that where two or more gathered, he shows up. So some of you, you can feel that right now. Like, it's almost weirding you out. You're in church and you haven't even really heard anything that I've said because it's been like your soul is having a conversation with God. The Bible says it's like he's knocking at the door of your heart. And you are always one yes in your life away from everything changing. A yes to Jesus. A yes to his love. A yes to forgiveness. A yes to hope. The Bible says this, if you would confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, don't matter who you are, don't matter where you've been, if you would confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, this is not religion. This is a relationship with the creator of the world. And listen, he could have wiped his hands. He could have said you're on your own. He could have grown tired of you. The Bible says while you were at your lowest, while you were still a sinner, that Jesus Christ was coming and dying on a cross for you. That he sacrificed his life. He laid down his life for you. His blood was shed for you. The Bible says when he died, they put his body in a tomb. And they tried to end his story. But the power of God came on him. He rose from the dead. And the Bible says when he rose from the dead, he defeated both death, sin, and hell. And now it's through him that you become a brand new person. Some of you say, how? I don't know. I just know it works. I know it's true. I know when you call out to Jesus, he answers. I can't explain it. I don't know how he breaks addictions. I don't know how he heals marriages. I don't know how one moment with him is better than a thousand elsewhere. But he does it. So he's here right now. I'm going to step out of the way. I'm going to ask the Spirit of God to move in this place. I'm going to believe he's knocking at the door of your heart, both here in Montgomeryville. And I'm going to give you a chance to say yes. I'm going to confess with my mouth, and I'm going to believe in my heart. Everybody that knows Christ, would you bow your heads and close your eyes, and would you just pray? Don't check out. It's not over. You're still serving right here. Would you pray for the person to your right or left? Would you believe there's no one here by accident? Every person in this room was supposed to be here on this Sunday. There's a good God that loves you and wants a relationship with you, whether you're young or old, whether you've been to church before or you've never been here before. If you're tired, if you're weary, If you're worn out, if you're heavy laden, the Bible says come to Jesus. He'll give you rest. His yoke is easy. His burden is light. He'll take you like you are, but he's not going to leave you that way. In your addictions, in your anger, in your brokenness, in your hurts, in your shame, you don't clean yourself up. You come to Jesus. Here I am, Jesus. I want a relationship with you all over this place. If you would say that to me, nobody's looking around just between you and God. But I want you to remember this moment, this Sunday, February 11, 2024. That's the day. 
that I turned my life around. I gave it to Jesus Christ. I want to pray with you as we close. Front to back, side to side. I don't know Christ, but I want to. Both here in Montgomeryville, you would say, Pastor, that's me. Come on, no shame, no fear, a lot of courage. You would say, that's me. Would you just begin to shoot your hand straight towards heaven and say, Pastor, I want Jesus to heal me. I want him to forgive me. I want him to make me whole. I see a hand right here. Is there anybody else? Yes. Whether it's one or many, we pray together. So all over this house, would you pray something like this? Say, Jesus Christ, today I give you my life. From this day forward, I'm going to follow you. You can have it all. Thank you for your love and thank you for your sacrifice. Jesus, today I'm a new person. And all over this house, as we celebrate that in Montgomeryville, Lord, uh, we just want you to move. We just, that's the simple prayer. God, I, I just feel like we are on the, the brink of revival in this church. That's just what I see, Lord. God, you're going you're gonna to change communities and families. Lord, you're going to do something over this next season that uh, only you could do. We're going to remind ourselves you've done it. It's not us. It's been you. And so, Lord, help us to be a conducive environment where you can continue to move. Lord, create an atmosphere of sacrifice. Create an atmosphere where we keep the main thing, the main thing. Lord, create an atmosphere where we draw close to you, even in success. Lord, we want to be desperate for your power and your presence. Lord, thank you for all that you've done, all that you're going to continue to do. Thank you for your promises in Scripture. The Bible says you'll build your church and the gates of hell will not stand against it. Lord, we're thankful for that because this is your church. In Jesus' name we pray all over this house one more time. Would you shout amen? Thank you for taking a few minutes out of your day to listen to our podcast. If you decided to give your life to Jesus after hearing this message or want to learn more about how you can join us in person, visit jrny.church for more resources or to find a location near you. Have a great rest of your day.